It's time for eShorts, the entrepreneurial and executive podcast series with Melody Span Cooper. Hello, everybody. This is Melody Span Cooper with this week's edition of my eShorts podcast. And uh, this is going to be a great one. I am so excited because I have someone here that is so dear to me. And uh, she is Cheryl Jackson, who is the founder of Grit and Grace. And before she gets started, this week's podcast, uh, the reason she's perfect for it, outside of just being so dear to me and being so smart, uh, is that she's navigated both terrains. Uh, And this week's podcast, of course, was on Big Fish Small Pond. It was a theory that my dad came up and would ask me throughout my life, would I rather be a big fish in a small pond or or a small fish in a big pond. And he would often say, Cheryl, neither one is bad. He he was just trying to figure out what my DNA was, right? And for those of you wondering what that's a metaphor for, it is, uh, do you have traits of an entrepreneur or are you best suited for a corporate environment uh, in terms of an opportunity to really provide for your family and make a living? And uh, you are perfect for this, Cheryl. So perfect. So thank you for joining well, me. Well, I'm glad to be here. And um, anytime, anytime you call, you know I'm coming. And I just love your new space. Oh. The first time I've been here. It is amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming down. And first, before we get started, I'm so excited about this new chapter in your life about grit and grace. Talk to us about that. Yes, I'm excited too. I am nervously excited. You know, it's you talked about entrepreneurship versus corporate. I've been in corporate all of my working life practically. My father was an entrepreneur though. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, my my father was an entrepreneur. Uh, When he lived here in Chicago, he and my mom, he was an accountant for Mercury Records. Okay. Mercury Records. And then when they moved south and you know, they weren't trying to hire no black man um, down south, it really forced him into entrepreneurship. So he, my entire life, that's the only thing I knew him to be was an entrepreneur. Somewhere deep down in me, I knew that I was made for to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, not only what did I knew I was made to be an entrepreneur, each one of my jobs, my corporate jobs, I had a very entrepreneurial pro- approach, which caused me a lot of consternation on these jobs. You so know? let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. You said you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Well, then why did you take the corporate route? You know, the, the benefit, I think, of one of the benefits of being in corporate America you get to see what they do. You get to learn mm-hmm. from them. You know, people who have unlimited resources, unlimited budgets. Um, the in in corporate America, I have been able to travel to nearly every corner of the world. I have met with heads of government. I've met. I've been in the rooms with CEOs of multi-billion-dollar. That is what you get. So it's kind of a learning ground. I always yeah. saw it as a test lab. Yeah, it's a learning it's, it gives ground. you a whole nother perspective. It does. I think about that sometimes with me, Cheryl, because with me being in this business since I was 15 and then kind of growing up in it, I think some of my insecurity around it was the fact that I'd never been anywhere else. Mm. And so when I'd go to some of the other companies, if I went down to Disney, if I went to iHeart, if I went to some of the other stations and saw them, it was like a child in a candy store mm-hmm. because the resources, resources and the level by which they operate and and that they can take advantage of research and just data analytics so many of the things 
that had I been there first, I could have brought back as opposed to falling, stumbling, scraping my legs and then having to get up and get it. Right. Yeah. So that is so dynamic. Yeah, you do. But the benefit of entrepreneurship, it's harder to innovate when you're in corporate America. Mm. You know, those 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 things, resources come with trappings. Um, What do you mean by that? um, processes, levels and layers and things that really stifle creativity and they really challenge innovation. Um, even within big companies, this is why they have these R&D labs. They put it aside and separate from the main, you know, the, the, the main entity to try and uh, have it be more nimble and less weighed down but mm-hmm. by all of these things that they both benefit from, but then it has um, another side to it. So is there not um, a, a window of opportunity to be creative and it, to bring your own? It's hard to be mm-hmm. creative in big companies that have structures and processes and layers. Um, first of all, it's um, change is hard for people. It's challenging. No, so people are afraid of it. We were just talking about that. Yeah. Um, even with the move from yeah. uh, from from on Stony Island yeah. to here for you, it's it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and everybody has takes issue with change. Even those who want to make the change, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm a living example of that. I'm an entrepreneur now in this new world of mine. It's it's unsettling. I think it's what it is. Yeah. Unsettling. And people, everybody wants certainty in their lives. So it's harder to be creative and innovate inside of companies, um, cultures that are um, are built on, can be built on status quo and protecting the status quo. So it's hard to be creative and you're like, well, okay, creative, do we really need that? But to stay abreast in this ever-changing world, innovation is so important. Yes. And you live or die. Companies are literally going to live or die by how well or how nimble they are with innovating. And their ability probably to turn on a dime on it turn on it, dime. it takes right. them a while to embrace right change and change. difference yeah um, and also what's key to innovation I don't you know I'm just waiting for them to actually finally get it what's key to innovation is diversity yes and they really struggle with that yes um, they're so busy trying to hire for culture fit mm-hmm. to me which is code for you know things that really repress um, inclusion and and diversity. Yeah. It's it's really cold. It's like a whistle for um, you know keeping things the same. Re- you know status quo. Status quo. Yeah. I don't want to use the the R word right. racist, but right. it, it just doesn't leave room for different people to come to the table. But at the same time, you need these different people, different ideas, different perspectives. That's that's the hallmark for the linchpin to innovating. Yeah, yeah. and to growth and to... And Absolutely. Right? So tell me this, as mm-hmm. a woman, mm-hmm. right, in a corporate environment, uh, at the last place that you were, you were pretty high up there yes. uh, in the C-suite, right? Yes. Uh, did you find an opportunity using the small fish in the big pond mm-hmm. uh, scenario? Did you find an opportunity for growth there? My last role, um, having worked for AAR, Global Aviation Services Company, uh, company, 
was such a blessing. It was a tremendous opportunity because yes. it exposed me. Actually, um, the chairman and CEO, um, he I knew him before I came on board. We were friends, and he was, you know, pitching me on coming on board and working with, AP, uh, with AAR and with him. And I guess he could tell I wasn't really feeling him. I'm like, aviation? How do you go from civil rights to aviation? <laughs> like, you know, I'm okay. And then he said something that totally changed me. He said, you know, Cheryl, if you really want to help your community, you yourself need more exposure than the South Side, beyond the South Side of Chicago. Yes. And it just clicked. I was like, you know, here's an opportunity to go and be a part of the world that you've just been reading about. You know, when I ran for U.S. Senate, that was reading about and learning about from others, getting briefed and learning and reading books about foreign affairs and foreign policy. And in this role, I had a front row seat in the classroom. Yeah. And so it was just such a different experience. So I was really grateful for the opportunity and the exposure that that gave me. Yeah. Um, so I was very, very, very blessed. And Did very you fortunate. ever feel that there was an opportunity, though, as successful as you were in that role in as world travel, mm-hmm. was it ever that opportunity where you could be president, or that you felt like it was the, it, it was a possibility? I know. Okay, that's I'm glad you and you I, said and that. I wanted to say that because mm-hmm. we talk about the corporate right. piece, right? Right. And a natural a cell should be right. So for someone like you, right. Did you feel that an opportunity? Okay, well, first of all, I knew I could do the job. Right, of course you can. Well, we all know that. Yeah, and you know, it just, I think it was two things. As I got further into the role in the industry, one was, yes, you know, are the politics lined up so as so whether or not I can be president? And so that was looking kind of dubious. Then the other thing is, do I want to be president mm. in this company right. or to have that kind of forever and single focus to my lifelong commitment? Because mm-hmm. that's what that would have taken, even if it were uh, a real opportunity for me. So I think those two things, I got more clarity about it as I, as time went on. I just, you know, the industry, the aviation industry is really difficult. There aren't very many women or people of color. And it's just a highly technical industry. And, you know, being coming from within the industry is so important. Not only did I not come from within the industry, industry, I came from, you know, Chicago Urban League, civil rights, right, you know, communications, yeah. media. So I, you know, um, when I came into the job, I, I wasn't from the industry, uh, but I'd been there almost uh, a little more than nine years yeah. uh, by the time that I left. So, um, but I think the real question is, because, you know, I believe that I can do and achieve anything that I set my mind to. Absolutely. The question is not just what I, it's no longer about what I set my mind to. What does my soul say wow. about this? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, was the difference for me. Yeah. What does my soul say? My soul was saying something very different. So you want to know something that's Mm -hmm. amazing? I only ask that question from the lens in which I sit. Because as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. I'm always thinking the top. I'm always seeking. I can only look at a lens where I'm sitting as the head of something. So 
you raise an excellent point that I never thought about. I never thought about maybe that's not your apex. Maybe you're great right where you are. And so many people in corporate America are. They're not thriving or striving to be the chairman or the president of companies. It'd be great. We know you have the talent to do it. But maybe that's just not Here's what, what the goal is. Here's what I've you know I've been having so many epiphanies uh, lately, and I think it was certainly, you know, spurred uh, um, by my sort of life crisis of you know cancer and divorce. But here's the thing: is that the, the goal is to walk in your brilliance. That's your goal, and in a, in order to walk in your brilliance, you have to have complete alignment between who you really are at your core, what you're really passionate about, your God-given gifts and talents, and in an environment that nurtures that. Yes. Or a support system that nurtures. When you line those three things up, that's where innovation lives and grows. That's where transformative impact. You know, when you think about people like, you know, whether it's a Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Oprah, people who are just, you know, like the goats of their industry. They are literally walking in their brilliance. Yep. They complete are alignment. Complete That's what I call it. Alignment. Complete alignment. Complete alignment. I think I came to the realization there could not be complete alignment where I was. Do you think that's a result of uh, you maturing, you having a level of experience? You, I mean, you are so different because you're right. You've president of the Urban League. You've, I mean, you've gone the gamut. You've run for political office. So you see it from a lens that's 33,000 feet. You see several states. You know, you could, at a land that most people don't see. Right. right. right? Is, is that how you arrived at this realization you know, of that I can make a transition and be okay with it? I arrived at that, I think, with this new or, for me, different approach to how to live my life. And that's what grit and grace is about. Yes. Um, I was, you know, in 18 months, I went from an art director to the vice president of communications um, and marketing at NPR in Washington, D.C. And I was 32 and 18 months, the youngest, the only um, African-American woman in that uh, ever in that senior role in 18 months. Um, there, I came to Chicago and I worked at Amtrak in 18 months. Again, I went from being a regional VP to being the national director of state and local government affairs for Amtrak. Worked for, I was communications director and press secretary for Rod Bogovich. So that was three years. And dog years, that was like 25. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lord Jesus. So that's Which another book. book. Okay. <laughs> that's another day, another right. book. Uh, but, and then... You know, the, what I was so proud of, what is the, the work that I did with the Urban League. Yes. But even then, it was just this intense pace and that I was driving at. And then going from there to, I mean, it, we went from when I was at the Chicago Urban League, walked into Chicago Urban League, we had a membership of like 300 members. And then in two months, uh, I jumped it from 300 to 10,000 members. Wow. I mean, I was driving a very yes. intense pace pace and then running for U.S. Senate 
in under and I jumped in the race you know it was maybe um, six months or seven months and so I've just been running at this incredible pace for a very long time so these things I was blessed to achieve it was all grit mm. I couldn't spell grace I didn't I mean it wasn't even in my and I could sing Amazing Grace, but it wasn't even <laughs> in my vocabulary or in my the way I thought about life. And then life set me down with cancer and divorce. Here's the thing through all of that I learned as much as I could grit my way through anything, I could grind my way through anything. When you practice grace, there's a way to achieve meteor an insane level of success. And it is not through pure grit. Mm. It is not. Oprah, the the Bill Gates, the it is not through pure grit. Let me just work harder. It is when your two and two is equaling six and eight. Wow. And that happens from pure alignment. Pure Com- alignment. Powerful yeah. alignment. Mm-hmm. And to understand that alignment, you have to practice a radical kind of grace with yourself. So you have to lean back, mm-hmm. you know, hit the pause button and really begin to ask at the soul level some very tough questions. You know, the reason why people don't get there because it takes a lot of courage to practice that kind of grace, to have that kind of conversation with your soul, to ask questions that you're not ready to hear the answers to or to say no to people and put up boundaries around yourself with people who are the closest to you. Yeah. Could you not have arrived at grace had you not had those experiences in life precisely you're absolutely correct Mm -hmm. and here's the point though it's not necessary to go to the edge of your self to find grace it's how we are raised and been socialized and culture uh been brought up culturally that we think we praise you know working hard hard work Uh, I gotta be tired. I gotta be tired. Oh, I got. Uh, I can't sleep. I can't take a break. Can't, I can't take go a on break. Vacation. I can't. Oh, I can't oh, sleep. It's it's, sleep. it's it's crime to sleep more than four hours. <laughs> right. You know, something's wrong with you. Right. Sleeping more than four That's hours. Right. What's wrong with you? You right. lay quick. You know. That's you, right. So it's the culture. You know, when you think about it, even as a child, you were applauded for working hard and powering through. You never got applauded for taking a nap. I mean, right. yeah. Ooh, you took it good for right. you, Johnny. That's you right. took a nap. Right. I, mean, I mean, maybe when you were like a year That's uh, right. to give your parents a break. But right. we don't applaud, you know, that those kinds of acts of grace with yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Because when you do practice grace with yourself, and I define that as really love and action towards self, when you hit the pause button, you care enough about yourself. You care enough about yourself that you're want to take time with yourself and understand who you really are. So how are you making grit and grace that which you landed at through your experiences, Mm -hmm. through corporate, through government, through everything you've done, you arrived there through your personal Mm -hmm. trials, right? And tribulations. Um, You arrive at grit and grace and then you turn it into a business. Right. <laughs> that's How the entrepreneur. That? That's, that's my daddy in me. Yes. Um, I, I always knew, I, like, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And it's freedom in there, not because you can dictate your own schedule. It's because you can take your ideas um, as far as your imagination will lead you. Yeah. 
And that is so compelling to me. That's yes. always been compelling to yes. me. And so I'm excited about this, being an entrepreneur. And this is new for me. It's kind of scary. I'm yeah. not going to lie. But, but it's exciting. And I believe it's where I'm supposed to be now. So how what does grit and grace look like in a business? So grit and grace looks like um, I did it hosted the conference this year. I was there. It was amazing. And it was I said absolutely amazing. I didn't want women to come and just be inspired for a day or, or in the, the days following in the aftermath. It's like, how can I keep this going? How can I support women coming out of Grit, Grit, Grit and Grace Day? And I launched a, I did a soft launch of a coaching platform, G2 Coach. And, but you know, I was working. Two days after that conference, I went to Africa for, I don't know, maybe a day. I went to Rwanda and Kenya. So I had this full-time job at couldn't really focus, but I knew that that was the right answer. So I wanted to explore that. How can I support women and through grit and grace and connecting them to, because uh, you get offered, you get asked to mentor, be mentored or mentor someone all the time. All the time, yes. And so many of our friends. Yeah, we all that, do. And there's only so much of us. Right. And so how do I automate that? Uh, how can I take that to scale and, and in a way that women can afford? Because coaching is... You know, I always say that um, when getting a coach is you, two things have to happen. You have to be in corporate America mm-hmm. and you have to make it to the top. Yeah. Then you might get a coach, mm-hmm. which is really ass backwards. Right. Because when do you need a coach? <laughs> when you're trying to when get you, right, When you're spaces, trying right? to get there. Right. Can I say that ass yeah. backwards? Yeah, it's FCC can. rules. Okay. So, um, but it's stupid. Yeah. It's dumb. It's uh, and and because you need a coach at the beginning at every step of the path, but it's cost prohibitive. And then if you you're on your own. You don't really know who to trust. Yeah, it's one of the most unregulated industries out there. So, I'm excited to try and bring some of the best coaches to the table in a way that women can access and afford. I love this, and uh, I'm excited about this journey for you. I think you are so ready for it, and you know your history has proven that you don't fail very much right (laughs) so there's nothing but runway for you and of course anything we can do to assist you in that how do people reach you cheryl um they can follow me on all the social media at cheryl jackson instagram facebook linkedin um and at my website cheryljackson.com now how you spell cheryl is very important c-h-e-r-y-l-e the e (laughs) is very important cheryljackson.com Thank you so much for this. And I'll just throw this question out for you because my dad threw it out to me and it just makes sense as we wrap this up. Big fish, small pond, small fish, big pond. Small fish, big pond. Love it. I can grow into that pond. I love that. I love it. You are my girl. Thank you. Congratulations on your book. I'm so excited for it. So many women are being blessed by that and asking about it. And I'm just thrilled. Well, thank you for all that you do and your support of it. You've just been tremendous on this journey. We are on a journey. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, Mel. All right. You've been listening to eShorts, the entrepreneurial and executive podcast series with Melody Span Cooper. 